fans rejoice. The Premier League is returning in just a few days. We'll be giving you a reminder of what's happened in the Premier League season so far and what is still to play for the whistle-stop tour of all 20 Premier League grounds in the podcast that talks all things football, all things Saints. My name is Callum Wilson. And my name is Tom Murray and this is Under the Lights. So, all the deserted lads chats from the WhatsApp for the last few months will be slowly buzzing with content, more than just the occasional football quiz. You'll have to get a reminder on your fantasy football passwords that have long been forgotten. Clear the diary for the next six weeks because the Premier League is returning uh, at the time of recording, actually just one week to the day, Tom. How excited are you for this? Oh, I'm very excited. It's sort of like a countdown at the moment. Football's coming back and there is so much to look forward to. 92 fixtures in the space of six weeks. Like we said in our previous podcast, it's almost like the Euros or the World Cup happened anyway. We're having that summer of football fun and I really can't wait to get my teeth stuck into it, no matter what game. You know what? I will never complain about a Burnley versus Brighton Monday night football again. We'll take any game. And um, and as we said, we've got those couple of games next Wednesday to look forward to kicking off uh, with Villa and Sheffield United, of course. So this episode is just a, a, a little reminder of uh, what's going on with all 20 teams in the Premier League. Who's got what to play for? Who's got who left to play? Where we could see maybe the, uh, the difference between relegation and uh, survival or potentially getting into Europe. We'll go past all 20 grounds and, uh, and just have a look at the key players that might have returned, potential issues, uh, as I said, those fixtures, any contracts expiring and uh, and what they've all been up to during the, during the last few months of lockdown. We will indeed. We're going to have the Whistle Stop Tour just like our Bundesliga episode, if you gave that a listen. We're going to give each other maybe about a minute, a minute and a half to rattle through every single team in the league. Have a look at what they got left to fight for, key players to look out for, and as Callum said, contracts running out, and maybe what's happened, what their opinions have been on lockdown since the uh, since the start of the pandemic. So, Callum, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick off here. We got bottom of the league. We got Norwich in twentieth place. They're currently on twenty one points and six points from safety. Their top scorer, Timu Puki, is arguably their key player, but noticeable players to also look out for that will decide whether they can make a fist of survival is uh, Buendia and Cantwell. Very attacking players, but that's how Norwich have based their game on pretty much trying to outscore their opponent because God knows they can't defend. Their next three are Saints, Everton and Manchester United. I'm going to ignore the home or away because, really, it doesn't matter. They're playing at empty grounds. There's not going to be that influence of fans. Their final game of the season is against Manchester City. Their form currently is just two wins in 16 games. Now, I know it's only six points from them in survival, but with the likes of United and City left to play, it's looking quite difficult. They're going to have to save their season before that last game of the season. So, in effect, they only have eight games left because you're not going to get a win at the Etihad. Although the last time Norwich did play at City on the final day of the season, they won an enthralling game. Johnny Housen scored one of the goals of the season as he ran from inside his own half and then took it round Joe Hart. But they find themselves in a different position this time. Their final few games do include games against Brighton, Watford and West Ham. Those three consecutive games 
are arguably going to be that crucial part of the season of whether they're actually going to stay in the Premier League next season. And uh, in 19th place, we've got Aston Villa, another one of the promoted sides through the playoffs this time. Uh, a key player, obviously, is Jack Grealish. But I want to talk about John McGinn, who returns from a long injury since, uh, since the game on the 21st of December against Southampton. They've only got 10 points in 11 games without the Scott. And he started very well at the beginning of the season with three goals in seven games. So they'll be looking for him to replicate that kind of form. And there's a big fan favourite. The issues I see them having are, are in attack. Samata is really their only option with Wesley, uh, with Wesley out injured. They've, he's got one goal in the four games that he's played. Um, and as I said, he is their only striker. The other issue really is at the end is at the other end of the pitch where they have the worst Premier League defence with 56 goals conceded in 28 games. That is exactly two goals a game and they'll need to tighten up at the back. Next three fixtures, Sheffield United, Chelsea and Newcastle. So a mixed bag and Aston Villa will be looking to try and win that game in hand that they've got against Sheffield United are over the teams around them which is a real plus for them in the top six they've got Wolves Man United Chelsea and Liverpool all still to play and the only bottom six side they've got to face is West Ham and that's on the final day so some really tough fixtures for Aston Villa in terms of their contracts inspiring Roger Baston and James Chester are really fringe players and they'll be uh, they'll be leaving the club at the end of June loans for Rayner and Danny Drinkwater I'm assuming that they'll they'll be continued until the end of the season, but I suppose every every loan is different. Uh, I believe those two will be staying. Pepe Reina with Tom Heaton out injured is a, is a real must for them. Noticeable moments during lockdown for them. Obviously, Jack Grealish breaking those rules so soon after lockdown came uh, came in after telling all the fans what they needed to do. Mings with the with the recent uh, BLM protests, and of course Dean Smith's father unfortunately lost through COVID. So they've, uh, on a number of different levels, been affected in the last three months. But they'll be looking to focus with their next game against Sheffield United in a week's time. Looking at that last relegation zone spot in 18th is Bournemouth. They are on 27 points and only one goal from safety at the moment. Their top scorer is yourself, Callum Wilson, with nine goals this season. He's not been in best form this season, despite that total. Key players to also look out for are Nathan Ake in that defence that will surely his solidarity and his return from injury, considering Bournemouth did have that mid-season injury crisis where they almost were down to their second string entirely in every position. They have now been able to get those players back. As well as in the contract situation, Harry Wilson has extended his loan to the very end of the season from Liverpool. He's been key for Bournemouth in the middle of the pitch. However, what I want to focus on for Bournemouth is their running. Well, with form and only two wins in their last 12. Their next three are against Palace, Wolves and Newcastle. However, the rest of the games include Manchester United, Spurs, Leicester, Manchester City, Southampton and Everton. So it's looking quite dire for Bournemouth with so, so many difficult games to go through. And I'd say a key fixture for them will be against Southampton in May. The first week, well, sorry, in May, sorry. It's, I'm so used to the normal dates of the season. Will be <laughs> Their most crucial fixture will be, I think, Southampton, which I believe to be their third, third from last fixture, where there could potentially be some relegation decided. If they have some poor form, they will certainly not want to go down at the hands of their South Coast neighbours. They are only one goal from safety, but with that run of fixtures, especially towards the end, it's really looking quite difficult for them. 
you know, be important for them with the likes of Brooks back and and potentially Fraser out and uh, Callum Wilson. They'll need to uh, to come up with that earlier season form. I'll need to give you time off the podcast to go and play up front for them. <laughs> uh, right, the, the team that they are only one goal behind in seventeenth are Watford. Uh, key players for them Ishmael Saar is their only real young player they've got such an aged squad and uh, he's got two goals and one assist against Liverpool to uh, to break that unbeaten record this season but he's going to need some more game time I'm sure he'll get that Ben Foster another one who was expiring out of contract but he signed a new one issues for them is that they were hit by a lot of issues with Corona uh, Mariapa, one of their coaches, obviously went down with it before and had to isolate. The talisman and captain, Troy Deeney, there was a lot of media attention around him and his decision to stay at home, but he did eventually go and train. Will he be fit enough? He is their top goal scorer with six, and that's another issue I see for them because not many goals at Vicarage Road um, while well, home or away. Only Norwich, Palace and Newcastle have scored less than the 27 that Watford have got. Next three fixtures, Leicester, Burnley, Saints, potential for them to get some results there. And although home form isn't particularly important, we don't we don't know yet. But two of those games are at home and they'll be looking to get off to a, to a good start. They do have City, Leicester and Chelsea to play in the top six with, uh, with Norwich and West Ham to play as the teams around them. Quite a lot of contracts expiring. Gomez and uh, Batchman, the goalkeepers, um, as well as Ben Foster, but as I said, he did recently re-sign until 2022, did the 37-year-old keeper. Mariapa, who I mentioned before, and Hollibas are expiring at the end of the month. But Dahlberg is a, uh, is a goalkeeper who's been on loan, who is due to come back in and uh, deputise if Foster was to get some sort of injury. During lockdown, as I mentioned, hit by Corona and um, Troy Deeney returning late, obviously with his with his young son who, who was uh, was vulnerable and a lot of talk around that and Watford will be hoping that they can come straight back in and focus on football because they are right in the middle of the relegation storm. And another team on 27 points in 16th place is West Ham United. Their top scorer Sebastian Aller is on seven. Although like Bournemouth, he's not exactly been a key player for them, scoring his goals in only just a small handful of matches. Key for them will be Mikel Antonio using his physicality and his fight in that relegation battle to take them forward. He's been in decent form going into lockdown, having scored against Southampton in one of the matches just before the Premier League was halted. Their next three, they've got Wolves, Spurs and Chelsea. So it's a very difficult start for them if they want to try and pull themselves away from the relegation dogfight crucial game for them is the final day of the season where they will play Aston Villa. That is a crunch match and if the relegation battle is not decided by then, then you can be sure that that match is going to have someone survival riding on it. Their run-in includes Norwich, Watford, as well as Villa in that final three. So if they are going to pull away, those three fixtures are going to be crucial right at the end of the season. Their form, however, is tragic. Just two wins in their last 12. And also during lockdown, it was noted that Karen Brady was one of the Premier League owners or chairman who wanted the season to be voided. Now, with West Ham in such a predicament, you can understand why season to be voided and there to be no relegation. West Ham were in a safe position. 
They have recently played an inter-squad match at the Olympic Stadium in their preparation for the first game of the season. No news as of yet regarding who is definitely fit. They're keeping that under wraps, but it's a difficult start for them with three of the top eight to come and their first three fixtures. Yeah, and what's interesting, we'll come on to talk about um, the relegation zone and towards the end of this podcast but that game at the end of, of the uh, of the seasons is so massive and it is due to be played at the Olympic Stadium so that would have been huge for home advantage against Aston Villa who might also be in um, it might be important for both teams it might be a relegation six points or a decider but it will be played in an empty stadium um, and that could make all the difference for West Ham the team just two points above the relegation zone in 15th is Brighton. Uh, a key player that could be uh, playing for the first time this season for Brighton is Ben White, who's returned from a loan at Leeds in a very promising young centre-back who I'm sure will be in their first-team plans, regardless of what division they're in the next season. Ischiedo is also a player who's played well for them in the Premier League since they were promoted, and uh, he's back from injury as well. And he'll be needed because main issue for Brighton has been for a long time is that they only really have one goal scorer and that's Malpai on eight goals. The next highest scorers are centre-back Webster and bit part player this season Trossard both on three so they'll need to be chipping in uh, from all around the the pitch because obviously Glenn Murray is uh, limited to his playing time at his age at the moment. So Brighton's first three fixtures back are Arsenal, Leicester, and Manchester United, so not a simple start for the Seagulls. They play four of the top six in their remaining fixtures. That's Leicester, Man United, Liverpool and City. And then they also play Norwich in amongst them in the bottom six. So some difficult fixtures for Brighton. Uh, contracts due to expire, no real major players, but in a squad game, You'd think that the likes of Kyle, Shiloto and Balladon might have had a part to play. They are leaving at the end of, of the month. During lockdown, uh, they did. They were one of the early sides to, uh, to say they had three players that went down with corona in early May. And they've been vocal in their opposition of neutral venues. And having looked at their fixtures, I can understand why. Because they want as much home advantage as they can get in their remaining home games, which are against Arsenal. Man United, Liverpool, Manchester City and then Newcastle. So those are some tough home games and Brighton will be looking over their shoulders. And above Brighton in 14th, we have Southampton on 34 points. Top scorer Danny Ings, obviously their key player. He has grabbed them by the scruff of the neck and taken them away from the relegation zone with a superb run of form over the winter. Their next three are Norwich, Arsenal and Watford. So there are games where they can pick up points early and really solidify their position in the Premier League for next season. Their final game is against Sheffield United, which on paper at the beginning of the season may have been a home banker, but it's certainly not now. Their run-in does include Brighton and Bournemouth, and assuming that Southampton can pull away from the relegation zone and consider themselves safe with games to go, you'd imagine that Bournemouth and a derby on the south coast will be their key match for them, where, as we've said, describing Bournemouth's run-in, it could be a game that decides the fate of the Cherries. The form is currently two wins in seven after a brilliant run through the middle of the season. But in terms of players returning from injury, Nathan Redmond is the biggest one for Southampton. Having been out for several games beforehand, Southampton seemed to lack that attacking bite going forward that coincided with that poor run of form with losses against West Ham, Burnley and Newcastle. 
Redmond's return will fill in for the lack of Musa Genepo for the first three games as he serves his three-match ban. In terms of contract, Shane Long is the major one that's re-signed for two extra years, along with manager Ralph Arzenhusel. And so Southampton have managed to keep it tight and keep it going over lockdown. There's been a plenty of positive news, especially today, where Small Bonus signed a new four-year deal. And Southampton were actually the, one of the first clubs to announce that they would be not using the government's furlough system and, in fact, would be deferring part of their wages, sort of setting the trend for other clubs to follow suit. With 34 points and seven points above the relegation zone, should be all right. But, of course, we don't know what's going to happen. Just above Southampton by one point in 13th are Newcastle. And uh, their key player, St. Maximan, who's flattered to deceive and there's been a little bit of a letdown in the northeast, did start scoring. He scored a couple of goals just before the lockdown. Just look, it's, It looked like it seemed to be clicking for him. The other main player is John Joe Shelby from central midfield. is actually their top goal scorer with five goals and only 15 starts. The main issue then is goals for Newcastle. They are the joint lowest scorers in the Premier League alongside basement boys Norwich. One goal between all of their strikers, and that was from their record £40 million striker, Joe Litton, away to Spurs. As I said, Shelby is their top goal scorer. And then after him, who has five goals, there's then a group on two. So only one player has scored more than two goals, which is absolutely appalling for Newcastle. But they are somehow in 13. The next three fixtures for them, Sheffield United, <clears throat> Aston Villa and Bournemouth. So a real chance early doors for Newcastle to get a couple of wins, especially if they're playing against two of those teams near the bottom and really to get them up to that magical 40-point spell so they can look forward to a potential takeover uh, for the summer. As I said, they uh, they played five of the bottom six. They played Bournemouth, Villa, West Ham, Brighton and Watford. It might seem easy fixtures, but they've all got stuff to play for and they'll be trying to drag the Geordies into that mess. They also play City and Liverpool. So of their nine games remaining, only two teams do they face that are in that kind of middle area where they don't have an awful lot to play for. Contracts expiring, Javier Manquillo, Longstaff, who's been uh, linked, uh, Longstaff to Udinese in a move there. Andy Carroll, who uh, obviously hasn't scored as one of those strikers. And then two goalkeepers as well as Jack Colback. Um, the two goalkeepers, I believe, are Darlow and, and Elliot. So I don't know who they're going to have to support the uh, the number one Dubravka there. They've got some loans in Danny Rose, Lazaro, Williams and Bentaleb. So we'll have to keep an eye on uh, when they are extended to and if they'll go to the end of the season. During lockdown, it's all been about the takeover, this Saudi takeover and where Newcastle could be come the transfer window. But the main thing they've got to focus on is making sure that they are a Premier League club and they don't get dragged in, which I don't think, looking at those fixtures, I don't think they should. Longstaff to Udinese is obviously another big talking point and uh, both their doctor and Steve Bruce have, uh, have been talking a lot about the concern over potential injury during this uh, frantic run into the season for the Premier League clubs. And of course, Newcastle going into the lockdown was seeming to have calf and hamstring injuries left, right and centre. They seem to have quite a long list of those in the injury room. Now, in 12th place, we have the Toffees. We have Everton. They're on 37 points. And although they're three points ahead of Southampton, they're looking up and not down. They're six points off the top six. Top scorer Dominic Calvert-Lewin with 15 has experienced the same kind of form that Danny Ings has had 
in terms of comparison of an outs- a English striker that was an outsider into being in that Euro 2020 squad. Their next three, there's only really one game that matters for them, and that is Liverpool on their first game back. Now, it's only just been recently decided that it is going to be played at Goodison Park after there were stories that it might even be played at St Mary's, which would, um, well, that would have been quite controversial. You could almost understand that Southampton, those Liverpool players would be picking up trophies at St Mary's, the Southampton players would be coming home. But enough about Southampton. Their final, Liverpool is the main game. Obviously, they don't want to be hand. Although the Liverpool, it's inevitable that they're going to win the title. Everton will just want to make sure that they are not the ones to hand it to them. Final game of the season for them is Bournemouth. Their run-in includes Villa, Sheffield United. They also play Leicester. Leicester is a key game for them if they want to try and push up the table and try and get into that top six. But yes, Leicester are in the top four themselves. However, Everton and Carlo Ancelotti will be wanting to show their credentials that they deserve to finish in the top half of the table and not in the bottom half in 12th that they currently are. They go in in decent form, only two losses in their last eight, including three wins. However, they've lost Yeri Mina. He's injured for a couple of weeks. And Gabama is out for six months. It's been a really torrid time for him in his first season at Everton, having been out on a long-term injury at the beginning of the season. He will now miss out on the end of this and most likely the well, the most likely the start and a considerable part of the first part of next season. In terms of a lockdown breach, Moise Keane was the main culprit for them. It was early in lockdown that he was warned by Everton regarding his uh, regarding his behaviour. I've actually written in my next three, Liverpool, Everton will play Liverpool, Everton and Leicester. So obviously I've not done any proofreading regarding that particular set of fixtures and I've sort of gone past. So if you're out there listening to the podcast, what is Everton's second game? Please enlighten me. I've obviously, They can't exactly play themselves. So I'll have a look for you right now. Who, who was the player that was out for the long-term injuries for Adam here? It was uh, Gabama. Oh, okay. It's Norwich is their second game. Norwich is their second Norwich game. Norwich away, apparently. Norwich away. Well, I, I, I mean, I should have got that from the Norwich fixtures. Shows how much uh, I was concentrating when I did that one. In terms oh, we can't of, be everywhere, Tom. We can't keep track of absolutely everything. Come well, on, give yourself a break. Give us a, well, in terms of contract, finally, in terms of contracts, um, Leighton Baines, a key club legend, is coming towards the end of his, and he's been offered a new deal. Whether he'll accept it still remains to be seen. And just above them in mid-table on 39 points and uh, and safe, really, are the Eagles, Crystal Palace. Their key players, Andre Ayew, top scorer, eight goals, and Wilfred Zaha, who hasn't quite kicked on uh, and had the season we all expected following all that interest during the last summer. The issue, as is always the way with Crystal Palace, is that they don't score goals. Apart from Andre Ayew, their only other striker, Left is Christian Benteke with uh, with Tosson out of the picture and Wickham still staying in the championship. Zaha is their next top scorer, along with left back Patrick Van Aanholt. They're both on three goals in the Premier League, which is an awful return for Wilfred Zaha. They have only 26 goals this season, um, and only Newcastle and Norwich have a worse record on 25, as mentioned earlier. The other potential issue for Crystal Palace is that they do have the oldest average. 11 in the league will age play a part in terms of fitness and survival for for injuries in all of these quick games every few days uh we'll just have to keep an eye on that and see next three fixtures for the eagles bournemouth liverpool and burnley they play five of the top six so it's probably a good job that they are pretty much already safe and only need one more win will do the job for them 
on 39 points. Um, they play Liverpool, Leicester, Chelsea, Man United and Wolves in the top six. And they also add to that have Spurs who are in eighths and obviously can be fantastic on their day. In the bottom six, they play Bournemouth and Villa. So of their remaining nine games, only two of those are against teams in that kind of middle echelon of the league. Uh, contracts expiring, Scott Dan is uh, is leaving the club at the end of June, but they do they do have a, a, a solid defence, and that is the reason that Crystal Palace are actually doing so well this season compared to uh, their striking options. The lockdown news with them pretty quiet, really, but Steve Parrish was one of the earliest chairmen to be quite vocal over the return and the restart, and had uh, had a lot of good insight and, and good things to say and uh, and shared that with the media. But as I said, apart from him being vocal quite early on, Palace have kept it under wraps and they'll be looking to uh, get that win to see them over that 40-point mark. And potentially on 39 points, and they're actually only four points off of Wolves in sixth place. So if they can, uh, if they can get past some of those big boys, and they have been known to uh, cause a few upsets, Crystal Palace, maybe they can push themselves up for a late surge up the table. Another team who will be hoping for a late surge up the table is Burnley. They're on 39 points. They're four points off the top six and with their top scorer, Chris Wood, on 11 goals. And arguably, lockdown couldn't have come at a worse time. They're currently seven unbeaten. They're in fantastic form and they were arguably pushing up the table, trying to get into those European spots. Whether they can continue that form going into the next few fixtures, we'll, we will wait and see. Their next three, they're, it's a difficult start for them. They've got Manchester City, that's on, the, that's on the Monday night of the first weekend, followed by Watford and Crystal Palace. So Burnley against Palace will be a game where two teams will be trying to just to push up the table, see if they have an outside chance of getting into that top six. I know that Burnley against Palace was one of the games that I think Amazon Prime have gotten in our previous podcast. You and I were sort of uh, taking the mick about how that we has mocked not- it. We mocked it. And now having done some research, we realise there may be something riding on it in terms of, you know, best of the rest. Well, we'll, we'll uh, watch it with bated breath. Their running includes West Ham United, Liverpool, Wolves and Norwich finishing the season against Brighton on the final day. Now, that should that could be quite difficult if Brighton do get sucked into a relegation battle. Burnley against Brighton. Brighton will certainly see that game as one that they can pick up points from if it does mean staying on the right side of the drop zone. In terms of contract news, Robbie Brady has signed a new deal. He will be remaining at the club. Um, in terms of lockdown, well, their assistant had a positive test for coronavirus. So Sean Deitch will have been doing training without his assistant, though. I'm sure they have plenty of other members of staff to help with the training. But certainly Burnley were directly affected by COVID-19. So with Burnley in 10th and with those fixtures to come Winnable fixtures against the likes of Watford and West Ham, although they do have a visit from Liverpool. Burnley will certainly be hoping to end the season looking up rather than maybe milling about in mid-table. Above Burnley in ninth, believe it or not, by just one point and only 40 points from 28 games. Ninth place are Arsenal. Uh, who have had a torrid season. However, they are under Arteta, showing signs of resilience and improvement and are the only team that is unbeaten in the Premier League in 2020. So they must have been really bad in 2019. Arsenal, ninth, key players for them, 
potentially, and we could see a bit of a new look Arsenal team because you've got Martinelli, who is clearly the future of, of the club, and Ketia, who scored a hat trick against Charlton, and there could be a lot of rotation in the striking areas for Arsenal. Aubameyang, clearly top goal scorer for them every single season, but there will be squad rotation, and, and the talk is with one year left in his contract, is he looking elsewhere? And interestingly, we might get a first real glimpse of Tierney, who was signed from Celtic at left-back, who uh, who did play in that friendly as well. Issues for them, really, um, the uncertainty around uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang continues. He is their top scorer on 17. After that, Lacazette, 10 goals behind on seven. So if he does go, they really need to start finding where the goals are coming from. Poor defensively as well, Arsenal, and there are defensive errors, especially at centre-back, that they'll, they'll probably need to rectify in the summer. Fixtures for them, next three. They open up against Man City at the Etihad. That's the second game, uh, that game in hand from the uh, from the Cup Final, League Cup Final. Man City obviously playing Aston Villa, didn't get to play Arsenal that weekend. So they're playing um, after Aston Villa and Sheffield United in that double header on Wednesday the 17th of June. After City, they have Brighton. And then they have Saints. All three of those are away from home. Whether that actually has, makes a difference or not, I'm not sure. But worth mentioning. From the top six, they play four teams in the running. That City, as mentioned. Leicester, Wolves and Champions Elect, Liverpool. Plus, they've got a North London derby in there as well. They also have four games against the bottom six sides. Villa, Norwich, Brighton and Watford. So, really the game in hand. Ten games left. Four of those against the top six, four against the bottom six, and a North London derby. So someone's going to have something to play for in every single one of those games. Contracts expiring. David Luiz, not sure whether they'll be happy with that or not, to be honest. Uh, but he does have an option, or they do have an option, to further his contract by an extra year. So we'll keep tabs on that. Caballos is on loan there as well, and uh, we'll be looking to see how long that goes on for. In terms of lockdown, obviously, Aubameyang and the talk of that. The chairman, Sir Chips Keswick, has retired. Lacazette is being investigated by the club for apparently inhaling nitrous oxide from a balloon, allegedly. And a 6-0 win against Charlton just last week in a, uh, well, not pre-season friendly, I guess, a close season friendly at the Emirates. They are on 40 points and they are three points off sixth and only five points off of fifth. And they do have that game in hand on everyone above them, apart from... Sheffield United and of course City are miles away from them. One point above them are their main rivals. We have Tottenham Hotspur with 41 points, seven points off a top four spot. It's certainly a fall from grace considering consistent finishes in that area in previous seasons. Best news for them from in regards to lockdown is the return of Harry Kane. Kane is now back. Their top scorer, currently on 11 goals. He was injured in the New Year's Day game against Southampton, and they certainly missed him in the time since. But he is back in full training, and he will certainly be... It's likely that he's going to feature, feature in the remaining games. Another player for them that has sort of had some kind of pre-season training is actually... Hongmin Son, who went off to the Korean Army, so he will certainly have kept his fitness up 
And of course, having received the award for best performance as well, it shows that he's kept himself in good nick. Back to the football, though. Their next three include Manchester United and Sheffield United, two teams that are above them. And games where Spurs are going to have any aspiration to try and push for that top four, positive or negative results in those games against both Man United and Sheffield United could really um, be telling as to where they're going to finish. Those two games are on either side of a game against West Ham and with West Ham, their rivals as well in London and fighting for their lives. They're three very tricky fixtures to start off with. Uh, Their running includes Bournemouth, obviously the North London derby against Arsenal. They play Newcastle and they play Leicester. So again, as you say, said with Arsenal, all of those teams that they're going to be playing against have something to fight for. Although by the time they play Newcastle, if Newcastle are safe by then, it may just be a routine performance for them. Uh, In terms of lockdown news, Serge Aurier breaching three times, including one for a haircut, is the most noticeable one. Spurs will probably be thinking why they've had to discipline him on three separate occasions, considering that was quite early on in the lockdown as well, when the measures were far, far more disciplined. Their form going into the last nine, eight or nine games, they've actually got 10 points from their last six, winning three, drawing one, losing two. Um, it's been a disappointing season for Spurs and they're going to need to pick up points early on if they want to try and push for even the Europa League place for next season. Yeah, during lockdown, it wasn't just the Warrior, was it? I, mean, I recall seeing quite early on quite a few of their players even going out for runs in the park together. Um, everyone seemed to be doing what they weren't supposed to, apart from Jose Mourinho, who um, was out delivering goods to, to people who needed it. So, uh, so good on him. Above them are everyone's second favourite side, Sheffield United. Somehow they find themselves up in seventh place and two points off of Man United in fifth and only five points off of a top four place with that game in hand. And of course, Manchester City, who are in second potentially not being in the Champions League next season. Fifth place could actually grab it. And what a story that would be for Sheffield United. As I said, they're in seventh place. Key player for them, Henderson, um, on loan, staying on loan for Manchester United. He has been part of the second best defence in the entire league behind Liverpool, which is quite some achievement and explains why they are where they are. Key issues for them, squad depth, 22 players used. That is the fourth lowest in the league I think it was jointly Man City only Wolves who had 20 and Burnley and Leicester who had 21 have less than the 22 players selected by Chris Wilder in their fixtures oh also goals as well they're 15th they're ranked 15th in the uh, in the table for goals scored top scorers Moussa and Fleck each only on five so everyone's chipping in with a bit but not really uh, anyone who's who's really scoring and they'll need someone to do that if they're going to make their way into that top four. That is the difference for Sheffield United. Fixtures, next three for the Blades, Villa away, Newcastle away, United away, all the way from home. They're going to have to, you know, although we're not no crowds, that they, if they're every few days, they're still going to need to be travelling. They're going to be needing to stay somewhere. They're going to be, they won't have those home comforts and trying to sort of stay away from the virus and isolate and everything else. I could see that maybe having a little bit of an impact on those sides who have to play away from home. Top six sides, four that they have to play as the top six just above them. United, Wolves, Leicester and Chelsea. Plus, they've also got Spurs and Arsenal, who are obviously just below them. So they're playing a lot of sides 
In fact, looking at that, Sheffield United are seventh, and they've got to play third, fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth, and ninth. So everyone around them for Sheffield United, massive time for them. Bottom six, they've only got Villa to play, and that is the very first game back next Wednesday. In terms of expiring contracts, Lundstrom and Jagielka, um, they actually have 10 players in total whose contracts are running out. And you'd think Lundstrom will continue because he's had a fantastic season. Uh, a couple of players staying alone, Sivkovic and Retsos. And again, you might not know those players, but they could be playing some sort of part in that squad rotation uh, to prevent injuries. During lockdown, typical Sheffield United really constantly ready to play. Wilder saying they respect the decisions of certain players not to play. Just doing everything right Sheffield United and, and they, as you mentioned they followed Saints and they deferred their wages early on the owner Abdullah is apparently still the owner despite reports disputing that but yeah Sheffield United every game seems to be a big one if they're going to try and uh, pull off the miracle of getting in the top four and they do have those players around them, uh, those teams around them beg your pardon to potentially win a lot of six-pointers and, and get into Europe, which would be quite astonishing. Well, the side they will certainly be battling with is Wolves in sixth place. 43 points, five off the top four. Top scorer Raul Jimenez with 16 has had another fantastic season in the Premier League. Wolves mm-hmm. themselves have had another fantastic season in the Premier League, considering that they only returned to it last season, mm-hmm. finishing high enough to get themselves in a Europa League spot where they actually managed to get quite far and are technically still in the competition. This season, however, the chances of getting in that top four are very high at the moment. Yes, they're five points off the top four, but their next three include West Ham United, Aston Villa and Bournemouth. Their run-in includes the likes, of course, of Sheffield, Sheffield United, a real, cru- real crucial game for them in terms of picking up points from the teams around them. They also play Everton, Burnley, Palace in that run-in. But the crucial game for them, we talk about fantastic six-pointers to have at the end of the season where Villa and West Ham will be playing at the end of the season at the other end of the table, we have Wolves against Chelsea, the final game of the season. Chelsea, the team currently occupying that fourth spot. And if it comes down to it, that could be a fantastic game to decide who makes the Champions League. Of course, if Manchester City lose their appeal and then suddenly fifth place becomes a Champions League spot, then that game could be completely irrelevant and have nothing riding on it whatsoever. But Wolves will certainly be looking at their fixtures and thinking they have a good chance to pick up points consistently, especially with those first three. Yes, those teams at the bottom are fighting for their lives, but also Wolves have shown quality throughout the season that they can put those teams to the sword. Currently undefeated in five games with two wins and three draws. Uh, In terms of lockdown news, Morgan Gibbs-White has been disciplined for breaking lockdown. However, in a more positive light, Diogo Jota said that he was sure that the Premier League season would be completed in an interview that he did earlier on in lockdown. Not directly, as he's currently not a member of their, not in their playing squad for the remainder of the season, but Catrone in Italy did actually contract COVID-19. So I'm sure the players would have been affected knowing that one of their own had picked up the virus, picked up the virus, even though he's currently playing his trade with Fiorentina 
in that where there was that spate of Italian players contracting COVID-19. So with those fixtures, Wolves will certainly have an eye on that top four. And if they can pick up the points early and put pressure on fourth place Chelsea, then who knows where they'll finish. And into the top five, and we've got Manchester United, 29 games, 45 points, just three points behind Chelsea in fourth place. Key players for the Red Devils. Rashford and Pogba both back from injury the latter being out for a very long time and a controversial figure at the club also Bruno Fernandes who came in in January and uh, has started fantastically well two goals and three assists in just five games for the Portuguese the issues for them is that potentially they could score more they're only the sixth highest scorer and they don't really have that out and out striker that's uh, that's bagging a lot of goals like Raul Jimenez for instance that you've just mentioned at Wolves also Pogba and the uncertainty around him not only with his future but potentially known for unsettling the environment and, and the dressing room but he could be either a massive plus or, or a bit of a negative in his return could be the French World Cup winner next three fixtures Spurs away on that first Friday massive game Sheffield United at home Massive game. And then they play Norwich away, who are uh, obviously languishing right at the bottom. And they're going to be fighting tooth tooth and nail at Carrow Road. The fixtures look on the face of it to be quite positive for Man United. The only team they play in the top six is Leicester on the final day, which could actually be another huge game. But they do play five of the bottom six. Uh, The only team they don't have to play is Watford. So you could say that they're playing a lot of teams who have been poor quality this season, but they won't be easy games and, and you might want to play those teams in their in kind of 11th to, to 14th more so because they haven't got so much to play for and they'll be battling and survive, uh, fighting for their lives and survival all those sides at the bottom. I don't have anyone of note who's uh, contracts expiring, just Borthwick Jackson, who's... Uh, who hasn't played for Man United in a long time. Agarlo has had his loan extended uh, from China, so he'll be there, which is important because they do need those goals. Uh, during lockdown, they recently had the game against Stoke cancelled right before kickoff because uh, Anil, the, uh, the, the manager, was tested positive for COVID-19. And recently, they've also published uh, a £28 million loss due to the virus. But... I'm back in Manchester United to end up in that top four because they've got some uh, some good fixtures and if they can flex their muscle and some of the quality that's returning to them in Rashford and Pogba can, uh, can really get going along with Bruno Fernandes. I think they could potentially make their way into that top four and above Chelsea. And another huge positive over lockdown for Manchester United were the actions of Marcus Rashford who has been fantastic in his charity work setting up his own charity and of course helping out where he can he's been uh, a model professional and he's done a lot to go out of his way as has Jesse Lingard and on social media as well he's done his part and that's been really really good to see now into fourth place we have Chelsea they are occupying the final Champions League spot they're on 48 points and uh, their top scorer is Tammy Abraham on 15 goals they have got 
obviously that crunch game against Wolves on the final day of the season. I don't want to repeat what I said, but it is going to be a huge match. There could be potentially a lot riding on that. Their next three are against Villa. They then play Manchester City and they play West Ham United. So in terms of those games, they'll be looking to pick up points against Villa and West Ham United, whereas City obviously is the more difficult game. Their running includes the likes of Crystal Palace, Sheffield United, Norwich and Liverpool. So whilst Chelsea will be hoping to pick up the points against Liverpool just to put it I mean Liverpool season cannot really be dented at the moment but just to they'll be hoping to pick up points against those sides Sheffield United as well a big one if they want to consolidate their position in the top four uh, Chelsea go into this into the final games of the season with their form of just one loss in six and of course they're going to have their morale and spirits lifted entirely with the announcement that today have supposedly secured the services of Timo Werner for next season that's going to bring a lot of excitement to the players and everyone around Stamford Bridge and Frank Lampard seemingly has got his man he will also join Hakim Ziyech Uh, So there's a lot to look forward to for Chelsea in the season. They'll be hoping to finish on a high because they could potentially be a real threat next season. They'll they'll want to put themselves in good stead in that. And the players will also want to prove to Frank Lampard that they don't want to be cast aside for these two players to just waltz into the first 11. And with impressionable young players in Frank Lampard's side, that can only be positive. They recently had an in-house friendly where Chelsea, two Chelsea sides play against each other. No no information as to any score, not, not that it really matter if they're just playing it between the two teams. Uh, no real contract news that I've managed to pick up. However, their most notable lockdown news would have been that uh, N'Golo Kante is returned to full contact training because when it was announced that this they would be returning to training, he was one of those players who was quite unsure and it was actually given leave by Chelsea because he didn't feel that he was getting the assurances um, to return to training. So Chelsea occupying that last spot. They'll be hoping to kick off in style against Aston Villa uh, before they play against Manchester City. So there's a lot of positive things uh, about Chelsea going into the end of the season and into next. Into the top three and maybe another of the surprise packages on 53 points to 29 games are Leicester City. Uh, the Foxes in third place, uh, just four points off of Man City in second. However, arguably, lockdown has come at, in terms of a football terms, the best possible, or, well, should we say a break has come at the best possible time for Leicester City because they were in poor form. They'd, uh, they'd won only one in their last seven in the Premier League. Um, and before that last game against Aston Villa where they won 4-0 um, and in that time they'd lost to the likes of Southampton and Norwich their key players Vardy and Madison, and they coincide with that poor form because individually they've also had a pretty awful time of it just leading up to that break Vardy is still the top goal scorer in 19 goals however he went 10 games without scoring before he got a brace in that game against Aston Villa Madison uh, no goals or no assists in his last eight or going back further just one goal and zero assists in the last 13 considering what those two were doing at the beginning of the season real drop in form for them so they'll be hoping after this break they can start the rest of the season strongly an issue for them is that Pereira has a knee injury at right back and he's out potentially for another another month and that right back he's been a shining light for them this season in terms of their squad 
I'm not sure if they don't have a, um, it's necessarily a strength and depth issue or just a consistency out of choice from Brendan Rodgers, but they've only used 21 players and uh, that's the same as Burnley and only Wolves have used less this season on 20. So they will need to dig deeper and reach into the, uh, the youth academy and use some of those fringe players. The next three fixtures, Watford, Brighton and Chelsea, which will be a huge game uh, for the top four. Out of the top six, they face only two sides, as we mentioned, Chelsea and Manchester United in the last day of the season. They do, however, face Spurs and Arsenal as well. Of the bottom six, three teams to face, Bournemouth, Watford and Brighton. So, uh, so a bit of a mixed bag for Leicester with obviously the rest of those games being against teams in the middle of the table. Contracts expiring, Mendy, also Fuchs and Morgan. However, they've just given Morgan a one-year deal and uh, Christian Fuchs believes that he will be staying beyond the end of the season. During lockdown, Brendan Rodgers, the, uh, the manager of Leicester, did have COVID-19. Um, heard him talking about it on TalkSport and said um, how horrible that was for him. So he had to isolate, but I believe that was all prior to the return to training. So I, I wouldn't think that would have a detrimental effect on that side of things and the football, but we're glad that he's, uh, he's safe and well. Three players did self-isolate. If you remember, just before lockdown, actually it was before their next game against Watford. It came out in the news in uh, early May, not early May, early March, sorry, all the way back then when um, they had a game due and then three players at Leicester were isolating because they had symptoms and that plus obviously lockdown, it all coincided in um, in the, the whole lockdown. They didn't end up playing a game after that. So uh, that's Leicester. They need to regain some form. They're at the moment five points above Chelsea in fourth. So a nice healthy cushion there and eight points in front of Man United in fourth. So I think they will get in the Champions League, which would be great for them, but they uh, but they do need to get those front players firing again. And above them in second, we have Manchester City on 57 points. Manchester City were actually, in my view, one of the, one of the more boring sides because the title is pretty much sewn up. They're well into the top four. Of course, the main thing hanging over them is that uh, will they have that Champions League ban? And that's not something that they can decide on the pitch. That aside, it's pretty likely that they're going to finish in a position to qualify for the Champions League, which is a minimum requirement for what City's owners have been asking of Pep Guardiola. Their main, their only silverware that they can really win, they're still in the FA Cup in the quarterfinals against Newcastle. So in terms of a, some, uh, a cup to win, that's all that's really on offer for Manchester City. They're, well, they're still in the Champions League, aren't they, as well? I mean, that, if that still goes ahead, that, that's going to be the main priority for them for the rest of the season, surely. Absolutely. Whether that goes ahead, until we know whether that's going to be uh, continuing and going ahead. For them, the league is pretty much sewn up. They'll be just wanting to see out the season uh, in, in from a league perspective. Their first three games back, they've got Arsenal, Burnley and Chelsea. So, yes, Manchester City are a level above the majority of Premier League teams, but that is still a difficult run of fixtures to start off with. Their final game is against Norwich. They also play Watford, Bournemouth and Brighton. So, plenty of the bottom six. So, you could imagine that Whilst that may prove a detriment to those sides trying to stave off relegation, it may even be uh, positive for those sides. If 
Manchester City have their eye on other competitions and if their eye is not on the board, they know that the league is sewn up. There's no real desire to uh, push Liverpool any further because Liverpool have pretty much got the title all to themselves. Uh, they do go, it's Manchester City, they do go into the games on decent form. They've won six out of their last nine games. Top scorer Sergio Aguero has got 23 goals. In terms of contracts, it's been rumoured that David Silva, it was meant to be his last season at Manchester City, but he may be staying on for another season. He didn't feel that it was a right it was right to leave after a season of so much uncertainty. And he, as well, I think he doesn't want to finish off in his last City game in an empty stadium. He wants to be in there, a situation where there are fans at the very end. In terms of a lockdown breach, Whilst Phil Foden wasn't exactly disciplined, he was reminded of his responsibilities after there were pictures of him on the beach. So for Manchester City, they're they're going to finish in the top four. They're not going to win the title. It all really depends on how that appeal is going to work out and whether they will be finishing in the top four and playing Champions League football next season. Carl Walker was another one, wasn't he? That was of course, um, yes. Apologise to fans for for a, a breach of lockdown rules as well, quite early on. Right then, so Man City fifty seven points in second place, albeit with the game in hand, but fifty seven points. Then above them, twenty five points ahead, with eighty two points from twenty nine games are Liverpool, and you don't realise until you look at the table just how far ahead they are of everyone else. 25 points is ridiculous. They could potentially win it in their next game against Everton at Goodison Park, as we've just found out. That's where it's going to be played now, because they were talking about neutral venues for the likes of that in a City game, because yeah, the reaction of Liverpool fans to, uh, to potentially winning, or when they do win that elusive Premier League trophy they've been fantastic this season they're key players I mean, everyone's the key there's so many key players so I've, I've mentioned uh, Naby Keita who's a player who came in for 50 plus million was a record signing at the time but has been struck with injuries and hasn't been able to get into that side um, I think he's a player that eventually will and this rest period will have allowed him you'd think, to physically strengthen and uh, and get over any injuries without being rushed in for any, any matches. So Naby Keita, potentially one that we could look out for. And like I said, he's, he's, he's been good in friendlies as well as having the time to improve his fitness. Issues for Liverpool, not many I've got written here. Maybe momentum has stopped, although actually... The momentum for Liverpool was well, just before lockdown, if you remember all that time ago, uh, they'd gone from having the perfect season to being knocked out of two competitions and losing their unbeaten run in the Premier League. Their last four games lost 3-0 to Watford in the Premier League, so couldn't go unbeaten. Lost 2-0 to Chelsea in the FA Cup fifth round in that game where they played so many youth players, knocked out the FA Cup. They just scraped a 2-1 win at Anfield against Bournemouth before losing 3-2 at home to Atletico Madrid and 4-2 on aggregate after extra time, if you remember, with Maratta. So they actually were having their poorest and most difficult part of the season before lockdown came in. But the Premier League is sewn up for them. And if anything, you said about Man City, I think Liverpool might be one of the most boring sides to, to face because they haven't got anything else to play for and they could lose every game between now and the end of the season and still probably win the league because they've got a 25-point lead 
and Man City have got 27, 20, no, they've got 30 because they've got a game in hand, they've got 30 points to play for. So potentially they don't even need to kick another football. Nonetheless, their next three games are Everton away. And I said they could win the title there if Arsenal beat Man City on Wednesday. That opens up the door for a win. And my Merseyside at Goodison Park, how sweet would that be for the Reds? They then have Palace at home, which is probably a more likely venue at Anfield for their win. And then the next game is against City, although I still don't think we've had confirmation on whether that's going to be played at the Etihad or in a neutral stadium. And it could be that they actually win the trophy at the Etihad. So wherever they go, they're going to win it somewhere empty, <laughs> but somewhere meaningful. Um, in terms of the top six, they've got City and Arsenal, uh, City and Chelsea to play. They've got Arsenal as well. Bottom six, they've got Villa and Brighton. Can't really muster up much enthusiasm because there's so little for Liverpool to play for and they've absolutely smashed this league to bits. Klein and Lonergan, contracts expiring, not really in or amongst the first team anyway. Adam Alana has had a deal extended to the end of the season, although he hasn't really played. He might be one of those players that just plays the last eight or nine games so he can get a, a medal at the end of it. I think there'll be a few players that, that do that. But it's been fantastic for Liverpool all season. This, uh, so many wins. They've actually they've lost one game, and it was against Watford. The next team or teams were Wolves and Arsenal in terms of minimum amount of games lost and that was six so it just shows any stat will show just how far away best defence in the league only beaten by City in terms of their offence in the league fantastic during lockdown they seem to have lost out on Timo Werner whereas it, stories come out that that might have actually been your Klopp's choice the whole talk of neutral venues and whether they're you know, trying to go all the way down to Southampton for a game between uh, for a Merseyside derby would have been quite funny with the likes of potentially Van Dyke, Mane and the rest lifting the Premier League trophy at their old club in an empty stadium. But it sounds now like all the games going to be played at Anfield or uh, at Goodison or although it sounds like the uh, the games at Goodison and the Etihad will probably go ahead there. The only negative really for Liverpool season is that they're going to have to lift the trophy without without their fans there. But they're guaranteed to win the league. And uh, to be honest, not really too much to pay for. Maybe they'll look at trying to get that um, that record points and, and, and emulate what Man City did and maybe go one better as Centurions. So that wraps up our 20-team preview. Now, Callum, having gone through all of the teams, we don't really need to discuss the title. That's sewn up. Let's start with the bottom of the league, relegation. Who are your three teams that you think are going to go down? Um, I'm going to have a quick look at my notes again because it feels the difficulty is going to be an issue and also the player availability because usually it's one story when you've got a normal season but right now, with the way things are, it's, it's almost managing the situation. Whoever can manage that the best. I think that Aston Villa have got some tough games coming up. Obviously, you've, you've got the notes on every other team. You, I remember you saying Bournemouth had some tough games as well. Watford could get out of it. Their, their next three, Leicester, Burnley, Saints. They've got Troy Deeney on, on form and Ismail Sarr comes back showing that kind of form they did have. I could see them surviving. I'll tell you what, Brighton could be another team that get pulled into this, into this mess. They're only two points clear at the moment. 
albeit with a better goal difference, so effectively potentially three points. But the first three games are Arsenal, Leicester, and Man United. And you've got Liverpool and City to add to that as well. And they've only got Norwich around them. So actually, I'm going to say Norwich will go. Brighton will get pulled in. And Aston Villa. Although, tell me about Bournemouth, because you said that they've got some pretty dire fixtures coming up. Yeah, I actually think that the bottom three may stay as it currently is. Norwich, I think, you know, it is a tough ask for them to turn their season around and to survive. Although, you know, miracles can happen. Villa, as you say, have got really difficult fixtures. They also have a very, very leaky defence. It's going to take quite something for them to survive. So it's really who's going to occupy that last relegation spot. Now, with Bournemouth, I think it could be them, because although Bournemouth have got a lot of quality in their side, they're their running is appalling. I mean, yes, they start with Palace, Wolves and Newcastle, which you could, you know, um and ah and think Palace and Newcastle are really crucial games for them to get points from. But their final games against Everton, which is a tricky place to go no matter what position Everton are in. But that running includes Manchester United, Spurs, Leicester, City and Saints. Now, yes, Saints is going to be the game that they're going to be looking towards picking up points in that one. But again, Southampton, they could be in good form going into the end of of the season. Forget about Saints. Still, the fact that you're playing both Manchester clubs, Tottenham and Leicester, teams at the top of the table. I think Bournemouth really, yeah, they're one goal from safety, but I just can't see them picking up enough points. I think Watford will be all right. I think Watford under Nigel Pearson have shown a really good resurgence. Obviously, they got that fantastic win against Liverpool. Uh, You know, Watford, they've shown that resurgence that can push them up the table. So whilst I agree, Brighton have also got some shocking fixtures. I mean, the ones at home especially are incredibly tough. So I think West Ham could get drawn into it. And that was what the owners were really worried about and wanting the season to be cancelled. That first three against Wolves, Spurs and Chelsea, they could be in the drop zone after those first three games, no matter how much, no matter how Bournemouth do in their first runs, purely because of the goal difference. Because that's how it is decided on at the moment. They're all level on points. And then it would be all resting on that final game against Aston Villa, Yes, they have Norwich, Watford and Villa in their final three. Those are games, but you don't want to be leaving it to the final three games of the season to save yourself. I'll tell you what, just on that point, I was going to say it anyway, but I think it's I think it's going to come down to those head-to-head games. And there are a lot of them, and those are the sorts of games that we'll be looking forward to watching uh, across the channels. Uh, the likes of Villa and West Ham on the last day of the season, and all these teams playing each other. And you talk about six-pointers. When, when there are only... If you take Norwich out of the equation, then when there are only four points between 19th and Brighton and 15th, then that could be changing all the time and we could be in for a, for a really, really exciting end to the season at that end of the table. Maybe the multiple teams involved on the last day just switching positions throughout. I think there's you look at the table, Brighton on 29, there's then a five-point gap between 15th and 14th, we find Southampton. That is a clear gap, and we'd call that a bottom six. We're saying three from the bottom six, potentially, for Southampton or Newcastle to get clawed in and end up going down with a seven and eight point cushion, respectively, is unlikely, really. Both those teams, you'd say, maybe a win or two away from survival. 
Let's then look at the other major talking point, which will be European football. Is there anyone that you think that could surprise us and come out of nowhere and potentially get into the top six or the top four? Um, and, and who are you backing to join Liverpool, Man City and probably Leicester in that top four? I think we can assume that the top three are going to be getting the, the top four, I think, here. Obviously, Leicester are in poor form, but it would still be a calamitous fall to not finish in the uh, in the top four. I personally think Wolves are going to creep into the top four. I really do. I think. I think that they're such a good side. They've got such a good manager, and they've also got a really appealing set of fixtures to end the season. I mean, the first three having West Ham, Villa, and Bournemouth. Yes, their teams fighting for their lives, but Wolves will be backing themselves to get the points against those teams. And then, of course, they got Chelsea in the last day of the season. And I would actually back Wolves to beat Chelsea. Yes, it is at Stamford Bridge, but I think that you know it's the first chance of them getting Champions League football. And I think that they could they could do Chelsea on their own patch. And of course, you said Wolves have only lost six games this season. They're a difficult outfit to beat. Saints were tuning up against them at half time and they still failed to do that. I think in terms of maybe an outside push for uh, maybe sixth place, I think it'd take a lot, but if Burnley can keep on their, their good form, yeah. if Burnley can keep up start from where they left off, then you know they're an outside shout of trying to push into that top six. Obviously their first game against Manchester City, it could potentially derail them in somewhat if they come obviously break or no break you're not expecting to pick up any points against Man City and then they've got Watford and Palace so could it derail them you don't you don't know I think however whilst they're an outside bet I think Sheffield United are going to do it I think they're going to get European football of some kind and I'd really really like them to get European football because that would just be a sensational first season yes Wolves did it in their first season back up, but the difference between Wolves and Sheffield United is if Wolves have got plenty of financial backing and links to Portuguese football, they're able to get these fantastic talents and arguably make themselves instantly into um, a top eight club, even straight after straight after promotion, where Sheffield United, it's all about not individuals, but about them collectively as a team. I think I don't see Spurs getting European football. I think they're actually going to trudge over the line. However, fit Harry Kane, what's 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 that going to do to their chances? Tell you what, you make a really good point with Wolves because obviously you, you looked into their fixtures and I'm looking at them now. They don't really have any massive sides. Like you said, Chelsea last day of the season. But the amount of teams that they've got that are kind of floating in mid-table. I mean, before Chelsea, their last three games are Palace in 11th. Burnley in 10th, Norwich in 12th. I mean, that is, if you could pick three games, you, you're picking them, aren't you? Maybe Southampton and Newcastle are the other two. But those are those sort of five teams with nothing to play for. And they've got Sheffield United before that and Arsenal, both teams around them, but again, beatable. And then, um, and as you mentioned, they start with three of the bottom six clubs. So, the only, the only thing is that they do have a five-point gap to make up without a game in hand on Chelsea. I am going to say that Man United will do it. I think they've, they're going to be stronger when this all uh, comes about again. Um, they've got Tottenham to start with and Sheffield United, but Norwich to play, Brighton to play, Bournemouth, Villa, Southampton, Palace, West Ham. Those are all winnable games. It might just come down to that last day 
game against Leicester City. And what a treat we could have with Leicester v Man United and Chelsea v Wolves and all four of those still in with a fight of being Champions League football. And then at the other end, you've got Villa versus West Ham. I mean, final day, we might need uh, four or five different screens to watch at the same time. That is the Premier League. I don't know if there was anything else that you particularly wanted to to drop in there and, and discuss, but I think we've we've covered most of it. Liverpool obviously going to win the league, um, and the European places. I don't know. It might be strange because you might you might end up finishing in fifth and not know if that means Champions League football or not. We might finish in seventh and still not know if you've qualified because of the whole Man City conundrum. That's everything everything covered for now. However, obviously we have quite a large. Being Southampton fans, we have, and doing our Kings and Corner episodes, we have quite a large following of Southampton fans. So I think let's end it on with where we think Saints are going to finish the season. I'll put my prediction first, is that I think that it's going to be a fairly mundane end to the season. Obviously, Saints have got some difficult games against City and Manchester United, but they also have some winnable fixtures. I reckon Saints... I think they'll finish between 13th and 15th. I think it'll be one of those one of those positions. And I think the most exciting game of the season will be Bournemouth at the end, where for Saints fans, there could be the possibility of sending Bournemouth down. Um, that will certainly be a fixture for fans to get their teeth into. But I think there's a lot of positivity about the club. Ralph has certainly seemed very much hands-on approach through lockdown, um, especially with that playbook as well. So I think... I think Saints are going to. I think Saints are going to secure their survival pretty pretty quickly, and then I think it may be just a case of coasting it for the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree with you. I can see Saints. I don't see them finishing any lower than fourteenth. I think there's enough of a gap between them and the bottom six. Um, I think then you'll probably be looking between twelfth and fourteenth. The, although Saints haven't got anything really to play for themselves, you'd hope, unless they get off to a disastrous start and then implode um, and find themselves in a, in a scrap for relegation, I think they're going to amble to mid-table finish. I think they'll be looking to get a, a win early on in those first few games. Ralph Arsenal has said 36 points he thinks will be enough. That means only two points needed. A win will do that. Get them three points to 37 Another win that gets you to that 40. If they can do that early, I think they'll be looking towards next season. And I, and I think Slamton are back to that kind of formula within the club where they're starting to do everything right. Um, they seem to be at the forefront of the whole COVID fight and the way in which they were um, looking after the players when they returned to training and deferring wages early on. They, they, they've been using this time to... Um, to prepare for the future and, and signing contracts with players and the manager. And it'll be interesting from Stamton because I think what they'll have to play for, as you mentioned with Bournemouth, but with almost every game, is trying to stop other teams from getting what they want. You know, Sheffield United and Man United, European football, Brighton and Bournemouth, potential relegation. You've got Norwich and Watford to start with as well. Arsenal win there. So we might be the, the kind of uh, team along with the other ones that don't have much to play for, who are just the, the party poopers, if you were the spoilers. And there are always teams with something to play for in that regard. So I'll, I'll say that we'll finish whereabouts we are. I'd like to think that we can maybe get up to 12th uh, or maybe push towards the uh, the mid-table mark. But I think it's all about next season for Saints and they'll be, they'll be starting to plan for the summer. And that 
shorter window between uh, for transfers between the end of this season and the beginning of the next. I completely agree. I think we'll be the party poopers for the rest of the season. And that goes on to uh, what Ralph said recently about how he wants Saints to become an absolute nuisance to play against. But we'll discuss more of that in another Kingsman Corner. We're hoping to bring you another episode next week as we get very, very, very close to that game against Norwich. We're going to do an entire episode on Southampton or at least we we hope to do with any new content we can bring to you there we'll try and pick the teams we know well we know then by then who's injured who's eligible to play and uh, who's Ralph is looking to pick in that starting 11 so that's been our that's been our run through the Premier League teams every single one of them we are really excited for the return of the Premier League and uh, obviously at the time of recording it is just one week away and of course we'll be looking at that clock counting down the hours to when the first game kicks off it has that real new start of a new season feel doesn't it Callum? Yes look, yes, look Christmas is coming in that time and so many people are going to be yeah we're at the point now where they're starting the world's starting to open up again and everyone still has to be vigilant and, and look after themselves and each other but yeah, the sort of the pub gardens that they might be about to open, and uh, and people are allowed out, and it might it might be that we can enjoy life as almost as we knew it uh, sooner rather than later. And um, and what a what a absolute festival of football we've got on the cards that first weekend. There's going to be so many games, and you can you can essentially watch all of them. But yeah, that that is it for this episode. Like you said, Tom, next one. We'll be looking at previewing the big game, Saints versus Norwich. In terms of the Premier League, the first game is on Wednesday, um, and that's going to be Aston Villa taking down Sheffield United. And then for the Saints game, 6pm Friday the 19th, away at Norwich. If you have any questions for that particular episode of this podcast, or uh, where we're going to be previewing that game specifically in Kingston Corner, then, um, then fire some questions over to us. Um, the Twitter handle for this Under the Lights podcast is at under uh, underscore saints. You can find me at Callum Wilson 21. And you can find me at T214 Murray. So thank you once again. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And we've been Callum Wilson, Tom Murray, and this is Under the Lights. <laughs>